you. Amen. I'm glad that Brother Green is going to preach. I, I told uh, Brother Gravely a moment ago, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll cut short mine so I can hear him preach. But all I'm going to do is go back to the motel room. I'd like to hear some good preaching. So I said, I'll cut mine short. He said, don't cut yours short. We'll just have him cut his short. So I said, amen. Now, he didn't say that, Brother Green. He didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But I'm glad you're preaching, and I will be brief. Uh, that song that just was sung, uh, I, immediately my, my mind went to uh, Luke 1:49. For he that is mighty hath done uh, to me great things, and holy is his name. And uh, that, that uh, came to my heart right while that singing. I like your, I like your singing. Man, I praise the Lord for your song service. What a, what a blessing. The music is a blessing. The musician's a blessing. You've got a piano player here. We're going to talk about a contract uh, for down in Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, Florida is a great place to live, and uh, we'd love to have you come down. But I, I like your minister, too. I tell you, uh, you've got, a, you've got a, a gem here. You know, if, and I'm not, I'm not advocating this, brother, but I'm just saying, he goes to a big city. He could fill a huge... He, if he came to Pensacola... If I came here, I'd empty it out. He goes down there, he'd fill it up. He probably all would follow him down there anyway, but what a blessing he is, and he's yeah. been a blessing to me. First time I heard him preach, I was told by the Doherty sisters, they, they attend our church, and uh, they said uh, he was, he, I was going to preach in Enon Baptist Church up in uh, uh, McDonald, McDavid, McDavid, Florida, out in the country. And uh, they said, Brother Gravely's going to be there. You, you, you'll love to hear him. And I, and I thought, I've never heard of Brother Gravely. And uh, he, he, they said, you'll, just, you'll love his preaching. And so that was the first time I heard him preach out in the country out there. And uh, he preached a sermon that would have been great for a, a multitude. But he preached it good for those folks. And I got a blessing out of it. And that's where we first met. Hebrews chapter 13 tonight. Hebrews chapter 13. <clears throat> I really prayed about this. I, I didn't know. I, I've been scared to death. I know what a tremendous preacher you have. And, and uh, I was here for the, uh, for the uh, camp meeting. And uh, man, got excited about that. And you know, you folks, the, the, the way your music and, and your, your ministry here, the way you worship, it's going to actually slow you down. It's going to hurt you because most Baptist churches are going to go up first. That you're all going to be last because the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. That you all, you all don't have that here. So praise God for that. But it does hurt you. There is a drawback to having a good time in Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, beginning of verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Let's ask God to bless his word tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching your word tonight. Thank you for this place, Lord, where the people love you, worship you. What a great spirit. What a great service already. And Father, I just pray that you'd get me out of the way somehow and have your Holy Spirit take over here and your word, your will be done in every heart that's present. We'll praise you. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, this is the season of food, fun and fellowship and faith. Obviously, it's Thanksgiving. And uh, if it weren't for a God that we have, there'd be no reason to give thanks. He's the one we have thanks to give. It's a season of sacrifice. It, it, it's in a few weeks, uh, we're going to uh, celebrate the sacrifice God made in sending his son to seek and save that which was lost. He came. Now, uh, of course, there's folks that, that, that argue about when he came. And to me, that doesn't matter. We know that he did come. This is the time we've set aside to do so. So we're, we're celebrating that sacrifice. But I do disagree with the song. You know the song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year? I do believe it's a more wonderful time. But I believe the most wonderful times in the spring when we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection that we might have everlasting life. So I thank God for that mostly, but I, uh, I do like this time of the year. Um, uh, it's a time of giving thanks, the Bible says, to his name. And so in, in preparation of coming, I said, Lord, what, 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 can I, what can I say? It's Thanksgiving Monday. And the Lord said, why don't you just tell them what you're thankful for? And so I know you're going to think this is cliche, and I know you're going to think this is something that was put together for a sermon's sake, but as God's my witness, these are the most important things I'm thankful for. Now, there's a lot of menial things that I'm thankful for, a lot of things that God has given me. You know, the Bible says, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Well, I thank God I got my thing with me tonight, and she's sitting back there, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, and there's, you know, there's other things that he's given me, and uh, the health, the strength, and, and, the, and, the, and the wisdom to, to have enough sense to receive his son as my savior. I thank him for all of that. But the thing that I thank God for the most is my salvation. Folks, listen, when Jesus came seeking to save, he found an old uh, uh, teenage hippie wannabe uh, that, was, uh, that was steeped in, in sin and headed into deeper sin at that point in time. And uh, uh, just, just uh, totally apart from God. And he changed that, that, that young man, a senior in high school, he changed him completely to a point where uh, they, they, they thought I was one of them to the point they called me Jesus freak afterwards. You know, that would have bothered me except for the fact that it did identify me with my Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I thank God. Listen, salvation is a miracle in itself. When God can take a life and transform it uh, from something that's old and wicked and headed for a devil's hell to something that's clean and righteous for his glory, that's a miracle. That's a miracle that takes place. Now, I don't know. Uh, I thank God for the testimonies I've heard so, so far. I don't know about what he did in your life, but it was a miracle in my life uh, that he saved me. And uh, I thank God for that miracle. The Bible says it's a miracle because we're bent on sin. Folks, uh, sin is a part of our life. We sin by nature. Uh, uh, the, uh, the apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Uh, and, and he talks in that same chapter about uh, wanting to do right and the devil uh, and the flesh constantly working against us. And so uh, we're bent on sin and it's, and it's a continuing miracle, the salvation that we have. It's not only a miracle once in our life, but as the brother said a moment ago, it's a miracle again and again and again as God cleans us and, and saves us and, and continues to keep us safe until the time we get to see him. In fact, the only reason that you would even be concerned with sin is because you're trying to please God. You know, it used to be, folks, it used to be when you asked somebody if they believed in God, everybody would say yes. 
They'd say yes, and they, they wouldn't hesitate. Of course we believe in God. Uh, but nowadays, it's not so. Uh, a lot of folks today don't even want to recognize a God because if they do, it puts them in a place they don't want to be. And uh, so they, they won't do it. But the fact of the matter is, when you have a desire to please God, that's when sin bothers you. And the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. I, I, I don't know if any of you tried before you were saved to try and please God, but it's an impossibility without faith without a knowledge of Jesus Christ, without him working in your life, uh, without him changing things from the inside out, it's impossible. Thank God for the salvation that I have. I thank him for that. But not only that, I thank him secondly for supplication. That's the power of prayer. Uh, you know, that also is a miracle. Uh, we have a God who spoke all things into existence. He, he can do anything. He can say anything. Uh, he can make anything. He, he can make it again. He can heal anything. He can do anything uh, through prayer. And the Bible says we have that power, that privilege before us all the time. First uh, John 5 and verse 14, a passage you probably know very well. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, we, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. God wants to answer our prayers. And, and uh, you know, uh, we sometimes uh, uh, don't, don't ask enough. We don't do what God says. He told us to come boldly to his throne. He told us to pray without ceasing. And so we have the power, the privilege of prayer, and we don't even, we don't even take it. Someone asked me recently, Brother Adams, is it wrong to pray for my dog? My dog's sick and he might die. And would it, we love him. He's a part of our family. Would it be wrong to pray for my dog? I said, absolutely not. You pray for your dog. Now, if it was a cat, it'd be different, but not a dog. You can pray for a dog. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, the fact is, there is nothing that God won't hear our prayer about. Uh, if it's dear to our heart, he cares. And he wants to answer our prayer. Uh, in fact, as I said a moment ago in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he commands us, pray without ceasing. And uh, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to do so, and I, I, didn't, I don't want to take the time tonight, Brother Green. <coughs> It would take us the rest of the night, quite frankly. But you know, there's prayers recorded in every book of the Bible. So this is, let me just give you the, the prayers that are recorded in, in Genesis alone. In Genesis 15, Abraham prayed uh, for an heir. God answered his prayer. In Genesis 17, Abraham asked for Ishmael to be that heir. And God said no to his prayer. Isn't it good that God even knows what's best for us? And if we leave, if we leave the, the choice with him, we'll always have what's right. We'll always have what's best. In Genesis 18, Abraham asked for Sodom to be spared for his nephew's sake, Lot. And he said, if 10 are righteous, Lord, would you spare the city? And he said, I would. God didn't spare the city, but he spared the, son, the nephew that Abraham was concerned about because he knew Abraham was concerned. God answered Abraham's prayer. In Genesis 24, Eliezer uh, asked for a bride uh, for Abraham's son, Isaac. And uh, you know the story he went and, and uh, didn't know exactly how in the world he's going to find it. And uh, finds uh, 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 some, some ladies out uh, getting some water, watering their, their livestock. And he said, Lord, let me, let me go and ask. And, and if she's not only say, well, I'll give you a drink of water, but I'll water your livestock. Man, that's got to be a woman that you want to have. And uh, that'd be the one, Lord. You just give me that as an as example. And uh, God answered that prayer. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. God answers prayer. In Genesis 28, Jacob asked for a blessing. And uh, God gave him the blessing. 
God met his, his, his every will. But then, uh, four chapters later, Jacob's asking for deliverance from Esau because of that blessing. That's right. So sometimes we need to a- a- be careful what we ask. Uh, but because God will answer, he'll give us what we want, but it might not be exactly what we thought it would be. I recall uh, 1979, I went out uh, to Mitchell, South Dakota to start a church. And uh, uh, we, uh, I, I prayed when I went out there, Lord, let me be full time. Because we went out there totally unsupported just to start a church, just me and my family. And uh, uh, I was working as a sheet metal machinist in a, in, in a machine shop and, and uh, just praying, Lord, answer the prayer, answer the prayer, let us have it. And uh, we were, at that time, we had found a little uh, one-room schoolhouse. If you can picture, if you ever saw a little house on the prairie, that's what we had. Didn't even have bathrooms. Didn't even have running water. Uh, but at one-room schoolhouse, and uh, uh, didn't have, had a basement, but all that was in the basement was a furnace. And so uh, uh, we, we, uh, the, the, the charismatics had it at the time. Uh, they were renting it from the guy, and we went to the guy and said, look, we want to buy it. Uh, on contract for deed. And they were renting it. And we said, we, wanted, we prayed about it, said, we want to buy it on contract for deed. So just like renting, you know what the contract is. Uh, we didn't have any down payment. So, so he said, okay. So we kicked the charismatics out and we started the church right there in that one little one, little one room schoolhouse. But, uh, uh, but we prayed, God, let, let me be full time. So uh, 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 one day, uh, so discouraged, and, and we, we had one family and myself, and, and that's all we had meeting there, and, and things got <clears throat> really discouraging. And so I went out by the lake one night, and I said, Lord, the, your word says, if you go into a town to preach your word and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and, and, and leave. And I said, Lord, I'm going to do exactly what your Bible says. I'm going to do that. And I said, in six months, and I circled the date on the calendar. In six months, if we don't have 19 people, that's all the chairs we had. We had 19 chairs. So I said, we don't have 19 people and, uh, and, and, uh, and a place to meet. Uh, of course, uh, we, at that point, at that very point that I was praying, we didn't have that building. And, uh, and me be full time, then I'm shaking the dust off and I'm leaving just like your Bible says. So sure enough, uh, we got that one-room schoolhouse, and, and uh, then folks started coming in. We won, won some people to the Lord, and, and uh, it began to grow as a predominantly Catholic community. And uh, uh, they, they'd come in and start getting uh, the Word of God. And then almost a week to the deadline, I was still working as a sheet metal machinist, and I was laid off. Nineteen people can't support a family, but God said, you wanted to be full-time, so here you are. So I was thrust into full time uh, because I prayed that way. You need to be careful about the way you pray because God might give it to you. Then you might say, Lord, I didn't quite mean it that way, but thank you anyway. And that's what we did. We thank God anyway, and uh, God blessed. Uh, Brother, should I tell him the story? Uh, God began to bless that work. This is prayer. I'm talking about the power of prayer. I'm thanking God for prayer and supplication. Uh, We we began to grow in that little one-room schoolhouse. 19 chairs almost filled it up. 25 chairs did. And uh, so, in, in short order, we were in need of, of a bigger building. <laughs> and um, there was a, an eye doctor in town that knew we were in need of a building, and he had just bought a piece of property with a big church on it. It was a big Church of God church. The Church of God had dried up and gone away, and uh, he was buying the property. And uh, he contacted us and said, Would you all like to have that building? 
Now, it was up north of town, and we were down south of town. There was a viaduct over the railroad station uh, uh, between us. And I said, absolutely. Well, we want that building. And he said, well, okay, you can have it free of charge, but you're going to have to get it down to where you're at. You're going to have to move it because it can't stay there. I'm going to build a clinic. So uh, I hired a, a, a company that was willing to, to move this huge building. It was not quite this size. If you shrunk this down, maybe a third. It was about this size, about a third smaller. <clears throat> and uh, had a big steeple on it. And so that company came in, and they started jacking it up on jacks, and they brought in this great big uh, 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 flatbed. And uh, while they were doing that, we said, we got to have a place to put this thing. So, uh, so we started down where, where our property was. We had a little extra property, and uh, we had some farmers by that time in the church, and those farmers, they can do anything. I mean, they can do anything. And uh, uh, that one, farm, one farmer said, I'll go get a bulldozer, and we'll just dig us a basement and put us up a foundation. It sounds like a plan. Let's do it. So he, they went and got a, a bulldozer. We dug this great big hole, and, and uh, the hole was dug. The, the, the building was ready to move on the flatbeds, and, and here come the mayor one day while I was standing out there looking at the, the big hole. And the mayor come up and he said, what are you doing? And I said, we're getting ready to move in the building. The glory of God. God's blessing the church. We're growing. We're getting ready to move in a building. And he said, where are your permits? I said, my what? I, I, I was 21 years old, just first church. And, you know, they don't teach you that stuff in Bible college. I didn't know you're supposed to have any permits. I said, what's a permit? It's what you're supposed to have. And I said, well, where do I get it? He said, well, look, you're the subject of a meeting tomorrow night. You better be there in the city hall. I said, okay, I'll be there. I went home that night, folks. God's my witness. I pray. I mean, I, I, I slept and I dreamed that there was a sign in front of that big hole, Adam's folly. <laughs> I woke up the next morning. I prayed all day long until that meeting that night. I went to that meeting and I said, I, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be rebellious. I'm not trying to, you know, flex my muscles. I just didn't know. I'm ignorant. I didn't know about any permits and, and, and needing that. I said, whatever, whatever I have to do to make it right, just tell me. I'll, uh, you know, if I have to pay, whatever, tell me what I have to do, but I'll make it right. I didn't know. <clears throat> so the mayor then said, well, obviously he wasn't trying to, to, to force his way in the city. And, and he, 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 but he said, it's an impossibility to move that building. And I said, well, God is a God of impossible. Yes. And, and I said, what's impossible about it? He said, well, there's a traffic light that crosses the street in the way. And uh, it's a state light. We can't move it. The uh, city can't move it. Only state can do it. And then one guy stood up in the, in the audience and he said, well, there's a state crew working up west of town. And I said, I'll hire them. I'll get them out there. They'll move it. And, and the, the mayor said, you know, you just can't go out and hire a state crew to move that. They've got to have state permission and so on. I said, God will work it out. And they started laughing. I said, God is the God of the impossible. They started laughing. Then, this guy, then another guy said, not only that, the viaduct that I mentioned that was between the south and the north was, an, was over the train station. And folks, South Dakota, 1979, they still had the telegraph wires up. Now, they towered over that, that uh, viaduct way up there, but they were solid copper telegraph wires. And uh, uh, the, the mayor said, that building's going to hit those wires. 
You, you can't take it over that viaduct and there's no other way to get it there. And I said, I'll call the railroad, we'll get it done. And he shook his head. He said, we'll give you the permits if you get it done. Good luck. I said, don't take luck. Takes a blessing from God. So I went out of that meeting. I went immediately uh, up to the uh, uh, state crew. They were staying at the Holiday Inn. And I said, hey, fellas, can you uh, move a, a, a traffic light for me? Now, by this time, we were within two days of moving that building. I said, can you move the, that traffic light? And he said, well, you've got to get permission from the state. We can do it but they've got to prove it. So I called the state the, uh, office in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I said, look, I'm up against it. I got a building on a flatbed that has to be moved. I got a city that's ready to lynch me, and, and, and I've got to get that building, and, and I've got a God to serve. And the man said, well, if they'll do it, they'll do it without pay, but we'll let them do it. So I went back out there, and I said, fellas, they said, they're not going to pay you, but I will. If you'll come out and, and move that traffic light. He said, no, we'll do that. That'll be fun. We'll take care of that for you, preacher. They came out and moved the traffic light. Now, the only obstacle in the way was those telegraph wires. There's four of them. And they were separated by about two feet apart. So I knew a, a fellow. He wasn't a member of my church, but I had been, made friends with him at, at, and working in, with him and that kind of thing. And he was a lineman for the electric company, and he had those spike things that you put on your legs. And uh, I thought, I I'm just going to go get them spikes and I'll climb up that thing. Now, you got to understand the viaduct rose about 60 feet over the, uh, the, the railroad tracks and then the, the, the wires were up probably another 40 feet. It was about 100 feet to go up that pole. And, uh, but I said, God's in this thing, I'll do it. So I got those things and I was strapping them on. We had the, the light moved, the, the television station was there. The newspapers were there. They were taking pictures. I got this stuff all in a scrapbook. And uh, uh, they, uh, uh, they started to take that thing over the viaduct, and they were stopped. We were stopping traffic. And I was putting those, those spikes on and getting ready to go up that pole. Here comes the mayor again. And he says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting ready to go up that pole, cut those wires. The railroad said I could do it. I'm going to do it. He said, you can't go up those that pole with those things on, you'll kill yourself. I can't allow it. I said, the railroad already has allowed it. It's their property. I'm going up and get it. He said, you don't, don't do nothing. You just stay right there. I said, okay. So about five minutes later, here comes a big electric truck with one of those great big booms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got on top of that viaduct. They went up there. They cut those lines faster than I could have climbed that, that pole. They cut them. We, we brought that, that building back over, set it down. And it's still sitting there, and the church is still going to God's glory. they got a preacher in there. You know, God wants to answer our prayers. That's only one miracle, folks. I could, I could stay here the rest of the evening and tell you stories and, and, and things that God has done in answer to prayer. God is a prayer-answering God, and God can work miracles in answer to prayer. I thank God for supplication. I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for, and I know you're going to think this. Here it is. He's preaching now. He's going to be an honest to being uh, a, a preacher. But it's true. I thank God for my separation. I thank God that he separated me from the old man that I used to be and made a new man out of me. I thank God for that. I'm not, the, uh, as Brother Gravely said, I'm not the man I used to be. Praise God for that. And, uh, and he, he, he separated me from the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things become new. He made a new man out of Bill Adams and I thank God for it. I thank God for my separation. But it's not only... 
that I, I, I'm separated from something, from what I used to be, but I'm also separated unto something. The Apostle Paul wrote, I believe it was in uh, Romans 1, 1, I believe it is, where he says he's a servant of God separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God uh, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. I thank God for separation. And uh, uh, that's uh, something that a lot of folks don't praise God for. Folks, listen, our young people today, we're losing them today because they don't think separation is necessary. They, they think that they can just do everything the world does and still claim the name of Christ, and it's okay. Uh, they want to look like the world, smell like the world, talk like the world, be like the world, and then still claim to be a child of God. How's the world know who you are when you're that way? And, uh, and it's a shame that it's happening, but it is. And I'm not just saying that. I, th- I, I pray all the time that, that God will, will, will make, give our young people some sense. Uh, we've got a, we've got a uh, youth leader. <coughs> Excuse me. We've got a youth leader now who's uh, beginning, you know, Pensacola, uh, uh, for the most part, is separated the inner, inner city, which is where, where our church is, is uh, urban, and then everybody's all gone out to the, to the outskirts. So most of those folks that live inside are, 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 are black folks and, and, and uh, uh, indigent folks, poor folks and that kind of thing. But uh, that's who God said to go to. And uh, so, uh, the, the, you know, go out and, and compel them to come in. So we've, we've started going out there. And when I first came to the church, they were ready to shut down the bus ministry. I'm a product of a bus ministry. I was, uh, I was a bus kid at First Baptist Church in Newcastle, Delaware. It was an independent Baptist church. But uh, my parents didn't go to church, but they made sure I did. And uh, they put me on the bus every week. And, and I remember going to the summer camp and hearing the gospel. I remember praying for Glenn Gunther. He was the neighborhood bully. And I used to pray, God, save him. Save that guy. He needs to be saved. If anybody needs to be saved, Glenn Gunther needs to be saved. Uh, I prayed for him. And, and uh, I remember going forward. And, and the First Baptist Church in Newcastle, Delaware, had 2,500 people. And uh, I remember going forward in the church and pastor coming down, uh, A.V. Henderson, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Dr. A.V. Henderson, and he came down and, and, uh, and said, uh, uh, what are you coming for? And I said, I want to be saved. He called a fellow over, I know his name, his name was Fox. He said, Brother Fox, this young man wants to be saved. He said, uh, you help him. He, he, he said, okay. We knelt down there and Brother Fox prayed. Looked at me, said, there you go, now you're saved. I saw it, that's it, that was it. He didn't ask me to pray, he prayed for me. And uh, I, I don't know where Brother Fox got his theology, but he needs to go back to Bible college is all I say. But uh, I never got saved at that point in time. I didn't get saved for, for years later. But uh, uh, the, the thing about it is, I was a, a product of the bus ministry. When I got to, to uh, Smyrna, they wanted to do away with it. And I said, no, 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 we don't do away with it. We, we, we just, what we're gonna do is we're gonna step it up. We're going to go to more places. We're going to get more kids. We're going to bring them in. We're going to try and reach their families. And uh, you say, well, did you get the, the bus kid families? No, but God brought in a whole bunch of other people. And the church has grown, and the church has grown with people that have money, not with the poor people. So now we can afford the bus ministry and, and afford a lot of other things, and God is blessed. Folks, listen, uh, I think we, we need to preach separation. We're teaching these kids now coming in. They don't have any idea of godliness and separation, service to God, holiness and that kind of thing. We've got a young man who's teaching them and, and they're wanting to learn. We have a, we have a fella, I'm going I'm to do this and then I'll move on 
and, 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 and turn it over. But we have a fellow that's huge. He's huge, he's a teenage boy. And uh, he, he was on the football team. He was half the team by himself. He's a big guy, great big guy. And he's got a lot of personality and, and speed. And uh, so he was on the, uh, the football team. He got saved and, and, and Brother Jamie started getting him involved in, in church. He's there every single service. And the coach said, you've got to practice on Wednesday night. Now, if you don't come to practice, you can't be on the team. What's his name? You, you don't know either? I knew it, but I can't remember it. But he told the coach, I guess I won't be on the team. I'm going to go to church. And the coach said, well, maybe we can make other arrangements. You know, when you're valuable, you can, do, you can just about do what you want. And uh, uh, so, but make a long story short, uh, the coach got angry with him because he was, he was going to church activities and things like that. So he's off the team. But, but he was one of the key players. But now he's a key player for the Lord. And he's growing, and he's getting the other fellas to come in, and he's telling them, hey, straighten up, listen to this. You got be quiet. He's teaching. And he's straightening up these other kids and, and getting them in church. And uh, a lot of girls are starting to come in, too. We noticed that as well. Uh, that, has a, that, has a, uh, that has a draw to it. I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for my supplication, the power of prayer. I thank God for separation. He made me a new man uh, for his glory. And he makes anyone, separates them from the old man and separates them under the gospel. But here's what I'm really thankful for and, and uh, excited about, and that's his second coming. Hey, uh, you know, I'm like a kid waiting for Christmas. I mean, Christmas doesn't mean a whole lot to me anymore. But the second coming of Jesus Christ means everything. Titus, uh, our text verse in verse 14 says, we look for a city. We're looking for it. Titus 2, 11 uh, and so forth here teaches us, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Looking unto Jesus, uh, uh, looking for that blessed hope, I'm sorry, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I also think, I don't have it here in my notes, but I think of the passage in uh, uh, Hebrews 12 uh, where it says that, um, uh, that we, we, we uh, are cumbered about with, with all weights, uh, but uh, we're in a race, and the answer is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, I'm looking unto him, folks. I don't know if you are, but I'm telling you what, he's coming back. He's promised that he will, and when he does, uh, he'll, he'll change all things. He said this. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Listen, listen to me. Uh, a lot of folks are saying today that perversions are coming out with this rooms business. Jesus said, uh, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm still looking for a mansion. But listen, even if it was a room, even if it was a basement, if I'm with my Lord Jesus Christ, that's all that matters as far as I'm concerned. And he's coming back to receive me unto himself that where I am, he says, where I am, there I may be also. And I, I, I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to that day. Can you imagine if he made this world in six days? How many of you have ever been to Mount Rushmore? A couple of you? Man, if you've never been, when you come up over this hill, and you see the size of those faces. That's one of those <gasps> tight moments, you know? Have you ever had those? Like, wow. 
How many of you have ever been to the Grand Canyon? That's a huge place. That's one of those, wow, like maybe where God stepped down one time and boom, there it is. Uh, uh, there's a lot of those wow places that you can go. Uh, but I'm telling you, I think one of the greatest wow, in fact, I think the greatest wow experience we'll ever have is when our eyes are open in, in glory and we see, we see what God has prepared for us. If he made this earth in six days and he's been working on that, that, those mansions for over 2,000 years, can you imagine what they're like? Can you imagine? The Bible says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Man, I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I want a mansion. And if you don't get one, you can come visit mine. And I'll welcome you. But I thank God for my salvation. I thank God for my supplication. I thank God for my separation. And I thank God for the promise of the second coming. And if you're here, and I'm assuming that on a Monday night, the week of Thanksgiving, that most everyone here is saved and separated servants of God. But if by chance you, you got it wrong. You know, I had it wrong for a long time. I thought that prayer that Mr. Fox prayed for me down there and said I was saved, I thought that was it. I got baptized after that. Then as a senior in high school, when I told you I had the, had the hippie hair, I did the hippie things, and I had a youth leader. Uh, I met a girl that went to church, and so... I was after the girl, not, not the God. But, but because the girl went to church, and she's my wife now today, uh, I went to church, and the youth leader took us through a soul winning course. And, uh, and he said, because uh, he, he knew that I, I you know, had the long hair and didn't look like a Christian at all, didn't have any mannerisms as a Christian. In fact, even while I was going through that soul winning course, smoking, and uh, one day some of the girls from the, from the youth group came up and I had a cigarette and I had to stick it in my pocket. And, uh, and they're standing there, talk, they stopped to talk to me. And I'm, I got that thing and I'm thinking, I'm gonna catch fire here. <laughs> and, it got, and, and it was getting hotter and hotter there in my hand and I'm trying to hide it. It's a shame you have to hide sin from somebody when, when Jesus sees it all the time. He knows what's going on. Anyway, anyway, uh, in that youth group, he take, took me through that soul winning course. And then uh, uh, he said, look, Bill, he said, we're going out Saturday. I want you to go with me. His name was L.C. Sykes. He died just last week. He said, uh, you're going with me. I said, fine, I'll go. I had memorized the spiel. Folks, there's one thing I was. I was a good salesman. I used to sell Christmas cards in the summer. You know, you, you, went, you get those uh, chemistry sets. And, and, and you could actually even get a monkey, all that stuff on the back of the comic books. Honestly, I sold Christmas cards in the summer and made money. And so I was good at sales. I memorized the spiel, how to be saved, the verses of scripture, memorized them. I could tell a person how to be born again. Uh, and so we go, we go up to a door and he got to speak first. He knocked on the door, and uh, when the people came, he started giving his testimony. Uh, he's, first, he gave the spiel. And then after the spiel, he said, 27 years ago, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and it changed my life. Now, most of the people had turned him off concerning the Scriptures as he was quoting Scriptures and showing them in the Bible. But when he got to that point when he said, 27 years ago, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was headed this direction. God changed me. He gave me purpose. He gave me new life. He gave me joy. All of a sudden, they perked up. Man, I can get this. I can get this stuff by trusting Jesus. And they listened to him. 
So the next house we go, and it's my turn, and knocked on the door. I was 18 years old, and I'm sitting there thinking, all right, 27 years ago. That's just not going to work for me. They're going to look at me and say, ha, you're not 27 years old. And even if you were, you couldn't be saved as a baby. I'm thinking, all right, what is my testimony? Standing on that doorstep, I'm sitting there racking my brain. When did I get saved? And all of a sudden, folks, it's like God turned the light on. It just all of a sudden came on, and I realized I was lost as a goose standing on that doorstep without Christ telling people how to be saved. And I just bowed my head. I didn't even tell my youth leader. (coughs) I just bowed my head, and I said, God, I'm standing here going about to tell somebody how to trust you, and I haven't done it myself. God, save me right now. Save me before they open the door. God, they opened the door, I was, I, I was so excited about being saved that I forgot that spiel that I had memorized perfectly. I just was like, I just got saved. I just accepted Jesus. And uh, it was something totally different. So even though I'm talking to folks who for the probably know for sure they do, if there's any shadow of a doubt, it would do you for eternity to get it straightened out. Let's close in prayer. Let's close. Father God, thank you for the time you've given me tonight to share those things that you've done for me in a miraculous way. Lord, there's so many things we could go over, so many things we could talk about, so many things we could do. But we've said enough. You've given me all these things, and that's all that's necessary. Salvation, the power of prayer, supplication, separating me from the old man, making me new, calling me into the ministry. And now, the excitement of waiting for your second coming. Father, if there's anyone here that does not know your son, my Savior, I pray that your will will be done in that heart, that you'll begin a work of conviction that will not quit until that soul's saved. Father, I pray that those that are saved that might be struggling with some sin or some problem in their life, God, that you get hold of that life tonight as well and that you would just work a miracle of changing things, making us what we ought to be. Have your will. We'll thank and praise you for it. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.